0: Love, talk, radio. That is
1: All right, yeah. now we have everybody. So we got Welcome our, everybody, wow. We got our friends at Facebook Live, we got our friends at the 5 Radio right? Network. We got a Lulu, she's
2: right out here. Yep. Vincent, are you coming in?
1: We'll see if any of the kitty cats want to show up, or
2: if they will at some point.
1: But, yeah, so... Um, yeah.
2: Here, that's my tea. You don't get hot tubbies.
1: Your boozy tea. But yeah, good get hot so, Yeah, so anyway, um, but yeah, glad that you could tune on in and join us here tonight. Um, it's been a week. It's been a very busy week. I have no idea where the time's gone. It just seems like we were just sitting here two weeks ago talking to y'all about murder houses and stuff like that. And uh, tonight we're taking a completely different turn of things. It's well, I
2: always
1: want to go. Yes, we have not been to this location yet, but... It has certainly yeah. uh, whetted our appetites to, uh, to go ahead and uh, you know, our, our uh, low-trotting hitch. Uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's the word. But yeah, so we are... I'm come- trying to read names
2: on the screen in front
1: of Extremely small.
2: I see, Alex, oh. I'm going to get you, Louise. Right. And Dana. And Chrissy. Oh, oh, that's why I'm... I'm on the wrong seat. Okay. It really
1: has been. everybody. Oh. There is everybody. Exactly
2: everybody. everybody. Yeah. Okay, I know. I okay. so what we've been doing this past two weeks, I've been building the Stranger Things set pieces for Halloween that are going to have take place at corporate headquarters here at home Richard. Richmond. So if y'all are up in Churchill and all of a sudden in December you start to be a mind player in and Denneborg and Dennebog and oh yeah, that's now, um, You know you found headquarters. I have four of them. So that's one of my demo dogs. Um one, one
1: of several.
2: Yeah. And I have demo that
1: too. so, uh, There's a lot going on. We don't have a dining room right now. We don't. <laughs> it. It, it is my
2: construction zone. And the staff, of course, is going to come in and see all different characters throughout Stranger Things. So, yeah, that's the plan. It's
1: going to be fun.
2: Yeah, so definitely come by and trick or treat in October.
1: Yep. But in the we? meantime
2: we've got two months to start before we get together. Yes, yeah, we do. So, um, oh, full month But anyway, so we just are our last commercial house tour for a while mm-hmm. because uh, they'll be doing their own thing to come for October. Um, but we'll come back in the winter. I think we should be in January. Here. January is yeah. what we're looking at, yep. Um, so that is that. Uh we are actually
1: shall we announce it? Yeah, might as well. We haven't announced There's it. We haven't officially announced it anywhere else yet. It is available on the website and whatnot, but we haven't put out a Facebook post or any kind of like media post about it yet. But we have initial free details on campus. It will be premiering, uh, open to the general public on Wednesday, October 19th. Will be the first tour. <laughs> so. Uh, that is, uh, yeah, it's halfway through October on Wednesday. It's when it fit into the schedule. Yes. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, this brand new tour. It is. Uh, it's well, not
2: all ghosts. It is creepy tales for reasons. It's murder stories. Yes. It's about
1: three quarters, spooky stuff. but there are a couple of uh murder murderous tales in there to wrap things up. And it's going to take place on DCU's Monroe Park campus. Yes. And it's all about stories. You know, Monroe. You know, people talk about. BCU Monroe Park campus. Like it's been there forever, but it has. Um, of course it's uh, you yeah, know, got Where it. Are the well
2: to do, so their grand mansions, inter, snow
1: Yeah, it's got um, a long long glorious and inglorious history yeah. behind the neighborhood. So. And of course those are all on site BCU now. Yeah. So that's the campus. That is available if you want to join us for the premiere of that tour to the general public. Get yeah. it's on sale now on the website. And of course, we do have our
2: um, Series That Care benefit tour that's going to be out October twenty second. Uh, we've got two guides set up for this, so we're hoping to saw two full cool tours up here in Churchill. Me, myself, and Marsha leading those tours, and one hundred percent of the uh, tour uh, ticket price goes to Series That Care. Yep. Uh Again, it's the Churchill Chillers tour on October. So, yeah.
1: That's what we've got going on, and uh, our tour seven days a week does wrap up next Monday. Yes. Yeah. So that's We're gonna when
2: we'll be... we to a little bit, because we need to
1: rest. Rest up for our children. <laughs> so, but yeah, aside from all of that, um, yeah, that's, that's about great. it. Now, tonight, uh, the uh, show we have for to you tonight is going to be a little different than usual. So, because, you know, typically we take a really deep dive into a handful of stories. Tonight is going to be little vignettes. We're talking stories that are going to be like, you know, two, three paragraphs long. I think there's like 15 to 20 stories in scripts. So this is going to go one of two ways. This is going to be really interesting, bouncing around and talking about spooky stuff embedded, or it's going to be an absolute train wreck. Whatever the case is. First time we tried this many small stories. Yeah, (laughs) whatever the case is, you can take comfort in knowing that we're pregnant for free. So uh, we hope that you enjoy this. Um.
2: Everybody ready? Oh, Cheers. Oh. Mm-hmm. But all are right, you okay. gonna start reading? Um. No,
1: you won't.
2: Okay. I like your
1: intro. And I will go ahead. Once I do the intro, I will get back to responding to some <laughs> of the people here in the, the chat. We're very yeah. glad to have you all chatting here, and uh, I'll be back with you all in a second. Okay. But in the meantime, so venostil, it, it is customarily sold to us as the most spiel, we are presented with images of canals and gondolas in which couples hold hands and their love for each other to last on a lifetime. For tonight, however, place the stereotype aside as we reveal another side of events. The sad city's pale, ghostly face, which will send a shiver down your spine with its curving, labyrinthine labrar- labrarian- alley, yes. dark canals, <laughs> deep wells, Dense spots and belving lagoons and gothic palaces that seem to be from a dream or a nightmare. Venice is a place where you can feel the weight of many centuries and many intertwined human stories that didn't necessarily have the Hollywood happy ending. Before it was reduced to today's place of romance, Venice had a history based on a complex political system,
2: on international
1: trade, and an ever-flourishing art scene. It was an empire that influenced itself all over Europe, the Mediterranean, and further afield. Yet its command center had been erected on a series of tiny islets scattered across the lagoon in the Adriatic Sea. In that ever-inhospitable environment, people built their lives on the water in very close proximity to one another. It was a diverse society where every sin and virtue could flourish, from the active red-light district where ladies of the night would flaunt their wares to the dozens of monasteries where the noble families would send their surplus daughters. Venice had innumerable facades and a near bottomless secret. Many of these spaces and mystery led to the creation of fascinating legends which still hold the city in their mesmerizing embrace. So tonight we will take you through the mysteries of Venice where tragic stories, ghosts, and monsters lurk waiting to grab a hold of your imagination. So let's set the stage just a little bit more. When the fog rolls in from the lagoon on a cold winter evening, the whole of Venice takes on a rather ghostly look. It can be easier to get lost in the maze of streets between Rialto and St. Mark's Square. After meandering for some time, you may find yourself at Campo Giuseppe. Not necessarily your destination, but a fairly beautiful spot all the same. In the evening, the darkness here is barely pierced by a handful of weak streetlights. But in the middle of the temple, you'll we'll see an old water well that, on one hand, will seem to beckon for a closer inspection, but on the other, will be crying for you to give it a very wide berth. Under these conditions, surrounded by the fog, cold, and darkness, Venice sheds its romantic veneer, instead it takes on a foreboding feel, like something out of a film walk, where at any second something terrible can occur. And the fact of the matter is, is that at some point in the city's ancient history. Something most stressful has likely occurred in the building. Uh, uh-huh. in
2: All right, so Carl de Earl, that helps of no return. We start with a place near the southern end of the Grand Canal in the business borough district. Carl de or Plaza Darrow, was built in 1487 and is, of the unstable. It doesn't just seem to fit in with the buildings that are around. The circular medallions is stunningly beautiful. Look at it too long, though, and you may find the sensation of pins and needles starting to crawl up your spine. It's not just for dramatic flair. For some reason, many people are afflicted by this unsettling feeling when they are just laying eyes upon the place for future. The building was designed and owned by Giovanni Darrow, the Secretary of the Senate of the Republic of Venice. The home stayed in the Darrow Ferret and wait until the 19th century. The curse of the nature of the building and its strange ability to kill nearly all who have owned it seemed to have started right. Beginning. For about 500 years, the various owners of the residence had been struck down time and time again by violent death or bankruptcy. In the 15th century, the daughter of the first owner killed herself after her husband went bankrupt and her son perished in life. From there, things never got better. Over the years, tales of malignant spirits of the Carrozero came and grew to be accredited with a long string of death and misfortune. Tales are so strong that a inscription on the facade of the college reads, Ubris Gennaro Germani Dero, Emanigero, the genius of the city, has come to be interpreted in a different way by many. People have pointed out that the anagram of this otherwise noble saying actually means tabruna insidosa genero." I, the adventurous ruins of those who live under the truth. Other theories speculate that the palace has been built atop an old Templar cemetery, which apparently accounts for the incredible luck, lack of luck of its owners. Local people call it the house in no return because of its tendency to eventually kill or ruin all of its owners, as well as anybody that has anything. The list of casualties and its portions of those associated with the house is impressive as grim, even in the modern era. In 1838, British scientist Rodon Brown became his owner. After having the house for only four years, he suffered financial difficulties and was forced out. In the early 1900s, Charles Briggs, an American millionaire, met a similar end. After purchasing the palazzo, he was accused of being gay and fled to Mexico, where his lover died by suicide. The famous tenor, Mario de Monco, was seriously injured in a car accident in 1964. Count Del Ladan was murdered in the home in 1970 after only the home and auction just two years prior. Count's murderer himself was in turn murdered in London. Pitt Lambert, the manager of the zoo, died in a mysterious circumstances just a few years after selling the house by calling for sale stairs. Fabrizio Ferrari, a Venetian businessman, bought the house in 1980s and lived there with his sister, Nicoletta. Uh, Ferrari lost all of his assets after taking possession of the building, and his sister died in a car accident without witnesses. In the late 1980s, the building was purchased by financier Raul Gardini, who wanted to make a gift to his daughter. Gramea, after a series of economic setbacks and the involvement in a kickback scandal, committed suicide in 1983 never fully clarified the circumstances. After the death, uh, no one wanted to buy the house anymore. The building fell into legal limbo for a number of years. However, in 2002, the building was available for rent. It was during this time that the basis for the Who, John Espenbissel, stayed there for vacation. A week after his vacation, he died of a heart attack. While the entire theory of the curse is based off of unconfirmed uncon- rumors of the Templar cemetery, there certainly seems to be enough misfortune surrounding this building. Keep it off your bucket list, Templar cemetery or not. We won't be Yeah. You
1: know, multiple locations. Good. Early locations that have tendency to still guests. That might have to stay up front. Yeah. I might walk by it, but that's it. Walk, not stop. Yeah. <laughs> no taking pictures. What's <laughs> happening?
2: Catching up with some people. We've got a couple of new people here
1: tonight. Oh, I thought there were some
2: from them Maine. Yeah, yeah
1: that, that was uh, Dana. Yeah. Dana's up vacationing in Maine tonight. Oh, so yeah. Sell me. Yeah, just a little bit. Hope you're enjoying the cooler weather. It's way too hot here, Richard. Yep. And uh, Kaylee is brand-new here, and she says uh, she takes us a near Richmond, Virginia resident. Residence. Residents, yes. Not natives. Not natives, but we've been here for over 18 years, and uh, we have a, a lovely home slash corporate headquarters up in the Churchill neighborhood. Yep. You ready? Sure, why not. Right. So we are going on uh, to find the Palazzo. Torini del Adopo, the Venetian fiesta of uh, Anarango. Uh, Apologies
2: to anybody who
1: <laughs> at the north end of the city. The palazzo has an annex is, that is known as the Casino of the Spirit, which is translates to Casino degli Spiriti. This is a small building built in the 16th century to host meetings between Venetian philosophers, artists, and learned men of the era. However, the palace and its annex were eventually abandoned. Strange noises could be heard at night coming from the direction. Some said that the place was cursed and that its religious cults would congregate there to invoke demons and spirits. With a name like House of the Spirit, or uh, Casino of the Spirit, it is a little surprise that these stories would pop up. Among the stories in the house's colorful history is that of the painter called Pietro Lugo de Felstri who lived there in the 16th century. Luzzo was working in an era of great Venetian art, but his legacy was apparently that of unrequited love. The object of his desire was Cecilia, one of the lovers of another painter at the time, uh, Giorgione. And when Luzio realized he couldn't have her, he killed himself in the building. However, his passing would not grant him rest. His ghost was said to return, the kind of lover he could never have. The day after he died, his tormented ghost appeared at one of the palace's windows, prompting the owner to cover it with bricks. Luzo appeared at another window, and then another, until the owner walled in all the palace's windows. Supposedly, Luzo continues to haunt the palace to this day, returning on dark evenings, screaming throughout the palace. The Casino degli berici also served as a hospital where thousands of Venetians died from the plague. Later on, the building posted an anatomical theater where autopsies were performed. In 1929, the bodies of four people were found in the Casino de Iglesiasi. Apparently, they all missed their, missing their heads in their right hand. Then a truly gruesome murder was linked to the Casino de Iglesiasi in 1947. A woman called Linda Cedricas was killed, then dismembered, placed in a trunk, and submerged in the lagoon right in front of the cursed building. The reason for her murder was a fairly large amount of money she had on herself. Linda lived in uh, Bologna, where she managed her family's bar. She had arrived in Venice to buy cigarettes to resell on the black market, which was flourishing after World War II. Linda was killed by Bartolomeo Toma, who was a gambler, and his accomplice, Luigi Sardini, who was a gondolier. The trunk of her body was found two weeks later by a local fisherman. Due to all these incidents in the building's lamentable reputation, it is said that to this day, the fishermen of Venice refuse to fish in front of the casino-digit service. you Bill. It is. Oh yeah, no fishing with her dead boss. Bobby's a
2: No bueno. Alright, so we're moving off to the Palacio Nesti de la Camello. It's the house of mysterious statue. This is not far from the previous location. It's about um did actually- we actually find we said not far, but uh we didn't look at that. Okay. Right. So anyway, sorry. I mean Grandi also have to mention about those. Yes. It's
1: <laughs> about, I think, roughly from one end of Venice to the other. Nothing's more. It's at least it's like compact. at least Venice proper. proper. Yeah. There's other outlying islands, a couple of which we will touch on. But the sort the of part of town with like the Grand Canal and that, you can probably walk from one end to the other. All right. So this building is of course
2: adorned with some
1: rather curious yeah.
2: They depict three men with rather startled faces. One of them wears a rather large turban. In addition, there is a bias relief with a camel. Now, there's an old Venetian legend claiming that the statues are petrified former owners of the palace from 1100 AD. They were three rich silk and spice merchants: Rabia, Afrani, and Sami who tried to scam a very rich Venetian lady by selling her some low-quality textiles for a very expensive price. Right. She had been recently widowed and had inherited a tailoring one. Discovering the scam, the widow cursed the money she paid, and when the dishonest merchant fetched it, they and their camel were to stone. Despite the fate of the three scammers, the Venetians believe that if you touch the nose of the statue, Pedro Antonio Roboro, you will have luck in your business. This belief was born after the statue walked the original stone nose in the 19th century, and it was then redone with a piece of iron. But 12 years ago, the statue was the victim of a rather unpleasant incident. On the night of April 30th, 2010, the statue was captured. Head was discovered a few days later on May 3rd, and the statue was restored. Today you can still visit the statue and run its nose in the hope that you will be granted some luck
1: that's of to trade Yeah,
2: basically.
1: And uh I did look up a picture of this. Um I will see if I can find it and drop it in the chat a link to it. This nose does not fit with the statue. It was a very it talked about nose it, it was the worst than nose jobs. It was a Old hack job, but uh, yeah, I'll see if I can find a link to that and prove it. Is. Wow!
2: <laughs> yeah. I just thought that was kind of a fun little legend. <laughs> Any questions? Uh, other uh,
1: uh, <laughs> and there were questions questions. I got Paul here from Germany who extended that. <laughs>
2: Beautiful, and the cigarette black
1: market is doing very well. <laughs> <laughs> that
2: doesn't surprise me. Yeah. But, yeah, so, yeah, that's it for the moment. All right, so now we're going to talk about the most quoted place on Earth. Uh, I know we say this a lot because a lot of places that like to claim this one, but I think this one might actually win. Uh, this is Povagalia. It's uh, a location you've probably heard of. It's notorious for its grim history, and it's officially off-limits to this a lot of people try uh, again we do not in any way shape or form suggest you go and try to find it um, you can go by it by boat please. don't try it at all now it's said to be one of the most haunted places on earth and it is set south of the city proper This small island in the venetian Lagoon has faced the brunt of local people originally it was used as a port in centuries after the roman empire uh, the use of the isolated spot of land turned into a plague that's uh, During the many outbreaks of plague, the devastated Venice and plague victims, both alive and dead, would be taken there and uh, would be buried on the island or taken there to die. The island became one giant burial ground with over 160,000 people laid to rest there. It was known as the island of no return. After lying almost abandoned for years, in 1922, a psychiatric hospital was built on the island. A hospital was run by a school doctor who performed horrific experiments on his family. So less than human. Located so far away from the crying out of the city, the doctor felt like he could do whatever he wanted to do. It didn't even take much to be sent there to, <coughs> excuse me, to the asylum.
1: Any understanding of
2: mental illness was in its infancy at this time, let alone actually providing the mentally ill with any helpful treatment. The doctor was thought to have been driven mad, perhaps by the plague ghosts of the island who were trying to protect the innocent souls he was abusing. The doctor attempted to commit suicide by jumping off the hospital bell but in almost a twist to fate, he survived the jump injuries were traumatic, and eventually he was succumbed to his wound, but not without tremendous amounts of suffering. The hospital closed in 1968, and since then, the island has been off limits. Fishermen won't even approach its shores because they believe the island is first. Locally, it's believed that the soil is mixed with the ashes of the people who died and who were buried there. The buildings have been lost to the elements and are literally falling apart. People have heard, agonizing screams and cries coming from the abandoned island at night. Nice. Now is that the sound of the golden falling down or the ghost crying out at night? Nice. We'll let you do But if you actually look at pictures of this place, it is really creepy. It's yes. right
0: up there as uh, so. well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, God. It is, uh, yeah. Something. Okay. Um, we investigated rolling hills. He have not. He not. I'm not even sure if
2: uh, that was I'm not sure if student company has been there yet. Uh, I think I've come across the stories in there, but I don't know about investment.
0: Yeah.
2: Good question. We'll have to we, we message our friends see, and find out if he's been there. Yeah,
1: we try to, uh, as, as much as we try to get out for investigations. Uh, uh, the stewards it take a lot of our time.
2: Yes. Uh, we do get out from time to time. And if I ever win the lottery, you can bet Hunter Richmond will find building. Uh, <laughs> go ahead and read
1: one
2: more.
1: Do need to Google? Yes. Yeah.
2: OK. All right, so now we're going to talk about some uh, of the famous locations in Venice. This is the Sandro and San del Column, and the Cala del Mortis. Mortis, excuse me. One of the most famous locations in all of Venice, and Maybe all of Italy is of course the San Marco Square. It's a broad plaza in front of St. Mark's Basilica, and it's surrounded by beautiful architecture and a variety of monuments. At the southern end of the square, where it meets the water, are two columns that have long been symbols of Venice: Colonia de San Marco and Colonia de and Cardero. Uh, given their celebrated status, it surprises many to learn that they don't have a glorious past. When the columns were first being transported to Venice from Constantinople, the ship carrying them tipped over and a third column sank. And it remains there today. In the shadow of the first two columns from the Middle Ages through the Renaissance and from the mid-18th century, space between the two landmarks was used as a place of capital existence. many hundreds of thieves and any republics, burgers, and of course this was all under the direction of the of so the body that ruled the city 1310 17 With eyes everywhere, the council used and this network of hundreds of anonymous, anonymous informants, sending many to prison and death based on rumors, secrets, and lies. So much so that the superstitious system still persist in the local population. you do not cross the space between the columns as it brings eternal bad luck. I wonder if everybody who lives in that house walks through so, house. Uh, yeah,
1: okay. That works. Mm-hmm. So, I got a link to the sent you in there and other places, the creepy-looking place. The All
2: right, now, while we're on the topic, top, so get back
1: execution. Just
2: a little to the east of the column, uh, it's a pala de, de la morta be found, and it translates to the alley of death. The alley was a very popular spot for people to be put to death, but not the same public spectacle that could be witnessed. Right. When noblemen were condemned to death by the Venetian council, they would not be notified right away. The council feared that their victims, uh, well, sorry, I mean the guilty party, uh, would escape before the sentence could be carried out. So they would trick them into coming into this street, or they would be killed. Now, they fly away is extremely narrow, and there would be no escape once somebody started after you. You would think, after the first few times, somebody was have caught onto this trick, but I guess news doesn't travel back at, during the medieval times, not like we have those, okay. And, of course, dead men held in jail Our
1: Hmm. Looking for the oh, no, I got that one. Okay. Your oh, what to- Yeah. got that one. Creepy-looking building, the house of mysterious statues. Got the statue. Yeah. Okay. I got that. Okay. Are you
2: ready to do that?
1: Sure. <laughs> and now you get to test the
2: building. Hmm. And now you get to have the building.
1: Okay. Alright. So now, if you meander to the north from St. Mark's Basilica, you may eventually find your way to Basilica di Sant' Giovanni Policy. If you're in this area after midnight, you may greet a giant looking to buy his bones back. A giant? Well almost. Of course, not on yeah. According to legend, he's one of the last bell ringers of St. Mark's bell tower clocking in at nearly seven feet tall. The bell ringer's type made him such a local celebrity that the director of a scientific institute offered him a large sum of money to leave his skeleton science upon death. The giant bell ringer agreed to the offer, rationalizing that he would outlive the institute director and the deal would be forgotten. The bell ringer, after receiving the advance payment and starting to go out every night drinking himself into oblivion, soon his excess drinking led to his premature death. The bell ringer's skeleton went on display at the Museo di Storia Naturale di Viencia. Posthumously, the bell ringer bitterly regretted the deal and it's said that to this day he haunts the Breton persona court next to the Basilica di Sante Giovanni Ucato. Nearby residents say that every night, just before midnight, the skeleton walks out of the museum to Piazza San Marco. Where he climbs up to the top of the bell tower, rings the bells, then walks the streets towards his home on Brasana Court, begging for money to buy his skeleton back. Then there is another skeleton where he was. Circling back to the north end of town in the Casciolingo, you can find the Campo de la Baza. At the darkness of the in the darkness of the night, you may come across an old man with a large sack on his back. He will beg you to help him, but you must deny your inner angels. Do not agree to help, and most definitely not look him in the eye. For if you do, the legend says that he will turn into a burning skeleton, a vision that will haunt you until the end of his age. This is the Ursula, of enemy. For reference, Osir was an individual who would lend money at unreasonably high rates. Think the old payday life. Apparently, he was a very selfish man during his life, so much so that on May 13, 1437, when there was a terrible fire at Campo de la Maza, Veneg refused to help his neighbors who were trying to save the children from the flames. Instead, he grabbed his sack of gold and jewels, thus forever condemning his soul. While he may still have his riches in death, it seems that he is cursed to forever know what it is like to be denied assistance when one's need is dire. I like this. So, back down to the eastern end of Venice, not far from the Venetian arsenal, we have a different type of story to mirror the selfishness of Bartholomew Venice. This story concerns the churchyard of Jasper de San Francisco de la Vida. Today, from the outside, the churchyard is very difficult, if not impossible, to lay eyes on, it, as it is enclosed within a very high wall. This is unfortunate, as it denies us the opportunity to have the same experience as the man did in November. Oh. In November, darkness falls early in bed. Its tall buildings block the failing daylight at a time when the days are already growing shorter as winter approaches. On one evening, a man found himself caught out late, enveloped by the blackness of the night. Being a good man, he feared robbers lurking in the shadows, and he cursed himself for having no means of making a light. The man spotted lights moving in the churchyard at Chiesa San Francisco de Mavigna, and he hurried closer to see if anyone had spares. At a parade, uh, he found a parade of men slowly moving around the edge of the graveyard, each holding a candle. One of the men. Saunt and melancholy Melancholy, paused when he saw the hapless wanderer. He crossed the graveyard and handed his light with the saying, best not be out here so late without a light. Local Venetian language, of course. The man agreed, but the awkward light was many thanks, home. The following morning, he discovered the perfect truth. The light he'd used the night before was now a dried, shriveled hand. He almost fainted as he realized that he had encountered one of the many ghosts that Still, he wasn't about to rob one of, a debt, one of the dead of a body part. That night, he returned to the churchyard, found the parade of men continuing their patrol around the edge of the graveyard, all but one of the lost alike. The man ran up to the lost soul who had helped him the night before. Swallowing the spear, he gave him the dried hand. The ghost smiled, his hand, now what? That's a little trick.
2: It is. Better than the monkey's song. That's Patrick was
1: Well, Giant skeleton creep on these Yes, definitely. It's on our it It's is, on our purchasing list. It is on our shopping list. All
2: right, but go ask the palace, palace. Uh This is in Central Venice, facing the Venice It was first built in the 1500s. And it was completely rebuilt in the 1700s, resulting in the building we see This actually makes it one of the newest structures on the ground now. In uh, 1951, the classic last was served as an art museum in one form or another. In the 1980s, the museum was involved in and underwent a major renovation. During this time, a night watchman was walking through the building when he heard a young girl's voice. Voice screams. Stop! The night watchman froze in place and turned on his light. He looked about, but he couldn't see anything. He was moving more slowly now, in order to keep an eye out for the person whose voice he had heard. Then, when he noticed a huge The voice had been warning him to stop before falling to his death. After asking around, the owners discovered that years ago a young girl had been thrown off the balcony into the courtyard below. She had been trapped in an abusive living situation. And unfortunately died at the hands of the research. Since now she tries to protect others around the house from any kind of suffering. Today it's a contemporary art museum funded and curated by billionaire contemporary art collector Francois Pinot. And if you are not a contemporary art collection owner, you may find a museum worth a visit for the beautiful architecture alone. And who knows, maybe a hard opportunity to cause past with the spirit to the little house
1: go thank you sure there are no questions mm, no questions.
2: okay so this is called the ground man of Campello by our uh, del Vernier and this is just in the north and on the other side of the Grand canal uh, we have a cautionary tale of jealousy murder death. In the 16th century, a Venetian nobleman called Lorendo fell in love and was married to the niece of the Doge. Lorendo was unfortunately a horribly jealous man who later accused his wife of adultery. Despite her fierce denial, he chased her from their home with a sword and ended the beheading her in front of her uncle, the Doge, himself. Doge refused to seek his hands with Lorendo, and as punishment, Doge ordered Lorendo to carry his dead wife's body to the Pope in Rome to act forgiveness. Pope refused to see him, so he learned to walked back to Venice, still carrying the decomposing body of the wife who so badly betrayed. After his return to Venice a bout a madness he threw himself into the lagoon. His ghost still he reported to be seen on the Grand Canal coming out of the water, carrying his wife's head. And
1: he got off easy. He did. I'm sorry, but if you have a family member in front of me? I'm going to be ahead of you. Yeah. This what? Cool. Yeah. But he didn't want to call me.
2: But he heard somebody else. And now
1: it Yeah, that's true. So, uh, now, at the far end of Venice, we can find the uh, Gardini della Vienna. I, think I got that. Maybe yeah. I haven't quite had enough drink I don't know. But anyway, this is in a newer section of Venice, ultimately speaking, um, that sits on drained swamplands, courtesy of orders from Napoleon Bonaparte. So newer, as in only a couple centuries. Yeah. Here you can find an imposing statue of uh, Garibaldi. The hero of Italian unification. Pay close attention to the bronze statue of the sh- soldier standing proudly on guard right behind Giobaldi's back. This soldier is Giuseppe Zoli, a young man native to Venice who was so dedicated G- to Giobaldi that he swore an oath to always guard the back of the Italian Italian hero. Hey man. Yep. Zoli a student at the University of Padua joined Italy's independence war in 1869. He became one of the AC Rose's shirts, The volunteers who followed are, are evolving. Yeah. <laughs> After his death, Dolly was buried in the island of San Michel, the cemetery of Venice. Zoli's statue was placed at its current spot in the Diana Gardens after a curious incident in 1921. This is when people started reporting sightings of a ghostly soldier dressed in a red shirt who would trip and tug patches by in the vicinity of the Giobaldi monument. But after some time, people began to report seeing a young ghost in a red shirt wandering the garden asking for Girbaldi. Seeing as this ghost was clearly Giuseppe Zoli and did not plan on leaving Garibaldi alone, designers made him his own statue behind Garibaldi. Since then no one had spotted the spirit of Zoe, but it's best likely because he finds himself right where he thinks he belongs at like Garibaldi's back. And yep. Forever Moon Man. Now uh, dedicating moving on, dedicate speaking of the cemetery and whatnot, dedicating an island for you I'm using. Yes, you are. Okay, good. Okay. Dedicating an island for the use of a cemetery makes sense within a city like Venice. A Napoleonic edict requires city officials to bury the dead away from population centers. So the authorities chose the Isola de San de la to the north of Venice proper in 1807 for this purpose. And 30 years later, they built the canal between the island and its neighbor, the Isola di San Michele, to create a single cemetery island. The island and the waters around it has links with other ghosts in Venice. In November 1904, a terrible fog rolled in around the city. A Vaporetto captain reluctantly set off for Verano, a worker's home after a long day.
2: So it's like a little
1: taxi. Yeah. And uh, Burano is uh, actually the area to the north of the cemetery. So it's still part of Venice, but it's... uh, It's a suburb. Yeah, suburb. Now, uh, no, no, not Burano. I'm sorry. Next one. Um, There's two gondolas full of people from Murano also set off from the jetty on the other side of cemetery island. Murano is that northern but anyway, the gondoliers gave the Vaparato a ten-minute head start. The fog thickened out on the water, and the Vaparato's captain decided to turn back. The gondolas were right behind him and he didn't see them in time. The Vaporetto split one gondola into two, throwing its passengers into the water. The Verano workers hauled four of the passengers onto the Vaparato's deck, but five, all women, disappeared. A long search ensued well into the night. The following morning, rescuers found one woman clinging to a post. She unfortunately died minutes after reaching Marana. Search parties found two more dead later that day, yet there was no sign of Teresa Sandon or a little girl, Jacinta Gabrielle Carmelo. In September 1905, Teresa's sister reported a harrowing dream. Teresa came toward telling her she was bound at the bottom of a snail between Cemetery Island and the Fondamente Nova. If her sister prayed for her, she'd be released. And days later, a battered body turned up nearby. Her sister identified Teresa by the scarf around her neck. Dina never resurfaced, so some say she rides the waves in a floating casket lit by four candles on corners on fire. Great. Okay. Right.
2: Santa Maria from Costa. Fun little fact as we move along here. Bell towers across Europe in the medieval era were the only way that people knew what was going on. The bells tolled for the start and the end of the workday. They told the marchands danger in coming into the city, even to mark a celebration. But whatever they were used for, they had great influence over the people of the city. Therefore, many of the bell towers in Venice have a carving sculpted on the floor of the tower. These carvings were often grotesque and they were used to ward off the devil, to ensure he didn't enter to ring the bells and cause chaos in the city. Near the center of Venice stands the church of San Maria, from the carving at the door, of the bell tower of San Maria, is one of the best examples of a gross sport. this carving is said to howl out at night when he senses that the devil is others says, Others say, excuse me, that the cries are something much darker, that the carving is actually a demon trapped in the stone. So if you're brave enough to visit the city and this carving, be careful to watch and see if the eyes follow you as you move on by. (laughs) (laughs) Always a bride, never a wife. You wander the streets in the plazas of Venice at night. You may come across an apparition of a young bride, Tosca, who is uh, looking for her ring finger with a wedding ring attached to it, so she can marry her beloved. Tosca was a beautiful but impoverished girl from from Trincia, uh the north of Venice. She was betrothed to marry a much older, yet very rich, nobleman. However, she fell in love with a young hunter and escaped to Venice with him. Dilton Noble then found out the young lovers were there and killed the hunter and cut off Tosca's wedding finger, shouting, he couldn't have her, nobody would. Tosca took her own life on September 22nd,
0: 1379.
2: To this day, many say they have seen her ghost wandering the streets of Venice, dressed as a bride, looking. Glospers ghost. Gerardana Borno, the 16th century Dominican friar, philosopher, and mathematician, poet, cosmological theorist, as I said, he did a lot of things, was the one who opposed the then accepted genocentric doctrine of the Catholic Church. And if you're not familiar with this, the church doctrine of the era was unequivocally stated that the Earth was at the center of the universe and every other celestial body, most the Sun, revolved around the Earth. Anything else was left and mention off killed. kill. Kale. That's right. All right, so obviously he was arrested by the Venetian Inquisition on May 22nd of 1592 based on the denun- denunciation of the local patrician Giovanni Marston It was, in fact, Giovanni who had invited the Floriano to Venice. as the patrician, soon felt unhappy with the teaching to receive from Laura philosopher and started to dislike him as a person. From Venice, Gordiano was expelled to Rome, tried for seven years, finally declared a heretic, and burned up the stake in 1600. They mentioned the right? Allegedly, he replaced this betrayal of his former host Giovanni by haunting his palace, the Ca Marciano in Venice. Apparently on the anniversary of the philosopher's death, February 17th strange occurrences relate to the water uh there. For example, pipes would burst flooding the rooms. Others believe that the face of uh Giordiano would engulf in flames and can sometimes be seen at the upper right window. I mean, he's got a legitimate reason to do legitimate
1: reason to be. <laughs> I think I be, too. All right, Patrick, this session's for you.
2: <laughs> we have come to the cryptoids and legendary animals because, you know, they've got you read.
1: You get a talk about them. <clears throat> there we go. Just
2: say I'm not a mouse. No. <laughs>
1: Angular edge, which cuts between the Grand Canal and the Duche Canal. Judicia. Canal. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And points straight into the basin of St. Mark. It's one of the most photographed spots in Venice, as just further up from it is the rather photogenic body of Santa Maria de Salute Church. Allegedly, a cousin of Scotland's Loch monster and inhabits the swirling waters just off the tip of Punta de Magana. This beast's body resembles a large dark-colored snake while the head looks horse-like. It hides in a hollow beneath the land. Fishermen swear that the sea serpent appears out of the dark waters on the night, earning it the nickname the Black Water Monster. One witness in 1933 claims he saw the serpent rise above the surface to catch and eat a seagull in a single goblin. Head over to the Punta de la Gona. De de I should I don't use On dark, moonless nights, totally at your own peril. Sure, I hope it's the to look at uh, something. <laughs> Fishermen <and laughs> swear they have seen the creature, although no evidence of its existence has been proven yet. If you decide to go hunting for this creature... Keep your camera at the ready and you may be the first to land credible evidence. Do yes. I, wonder if that's where we're I don't think so? Should be. If you catch a picture of it, so go ahead and mark it off to the high thing. <laughs> anyway. So now moving on, we have another picture. Now in the past century, elephants would sometimes come to Venice as part of circus or a traveling show. There is a tragic story about an elephant in Venice which in 1890 managed to escape its cage on Rivea degli uh, Giovanni, trampled through the fiatria of Castello. The terrified animal caused much damage to houses, staircases, and doorways. Terrified Venetians ran to hide, and a group of soldiers pursued the elephant with a rifle. Finally, the elephant ran inside the church of San, uh, San Antonio, uh, where its foot got stuck in a tombstone, allowing the Venetians chasing it to finally catch and shoot. It. But killing it outright was enough for them. They brought it to St. Mark's Square and executed the animal with a hand cannon. The poor elephant was no doubt just really scared and didn't deserve this first end. If you listen closely, when you stand near the Church of San Antonin, you can hear the you can sometimes hear the stomping of huge footsteps, thought to be the ghostly stomps of the elephants who once went rampaging throughout the city. Now, yeah, which is you me me. Many unorthodox ladies lived in Venice through the centuries, from courtesans able to compose elaborate poems and having their own literary salons, to nuns who would freely entertain in more ways than one of the, more ways than one of the Venetian nobles. Venice was a hotbed of activities day and night. Now, Elena Draga was a woman of many talents, and most remarkably, of many different personalities. She was, she said, possessed by evil spirits and could design the future and perform magical rituals. After the plague in 1582, only two spirits remained in her. One was mute and the other was called Saran Drago. Elena openly complained of the terrors to which the spirit subjected her, from physical mal- maladies to the desire to finish, her, uh, finish herself off, or to the desire to finish with herself. Curiously, Elena was tried for witchcraft several times, and each time she managed to talk herself out of being prosecuted. Not a small feat, era. Aside from Elena, in the labyrinthine streets near the Academia Gallery, there's a quiet Calle de la Folletta, where a so-called witch's clock keeps the neighborhood ticking. Hanging off exterior piping is an old-school alarm clock. Legend says that a witch once lived here and dabbled in the business of black magic. She used the alarm to remind her customers to pay their payments were due. When she died, the local residents hung an alarm clock on the building in Jess. Years later, it was removed and the neighbors began to talk of strange happenings. Uh, sounds, sound and random accidents. The clock was returned to its position. The event stopped. Years later, the clock was removed and the neighbors again claimed unexplained events. So the clock was placed back permanently. You don't need the okay. mm-hmm. Then, there is a curious story in which a Venetian fishing boat is used every night by seven witches to travel around the world to practice witchcraft. The owner of the boat, a fisherman, soon suspected that his boat was being used by somebody else. One evening, he hid on the boat and waited. The seven witches soon arrived set an incantation and headed straight to Alexandria in Egypt. They arrived in a record for that time period. The witches moored the boat and went on their business. The fishermen, completely stupefied by the night's event, also came out of the boat and picked a branch off of the date palm which was covered with fruit. He then was back on the boat. Later on, the witches returned at their incantation and the boat flew back uh, flew it back to Venice as quick wind. The fisherman was not discovered by the witches, and he used the branch covered in fresh dates, which at that time only grew in Egypt, to convince his friends that indeed he had been on that incredible journey. And then there is the tale of Themelusi. What? We'll get there. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> now a Malusine is a mermaid with two tails. There is a well-known Venetian legend telling the story of the poor fisherman, uh, Oreo, kind of like Oreo, except you take the E and replace it with an I. Oreo, who fell in love with a the Malusine. They got married, but the Malusine fell ill and died after working with three children. However, even after her death as a human, she would return to the house in the shape of a snake to tidy up and take care of the household and her kids. This continued until Oreos saw the snake and unaware that it was his beloved Lucy,
0: he killed
1: it, thus losing her forever. To remind us of this tragic love story, there is a red brick heart built into the wall of Sotoperengo de Crete. Allegedly, this is where Oreos' house used to be. It is widely believed that if you touch the hearts, you will find luck and love within a year. Oh, no, we have to tell this one. We already think that. Think so. Just a little bit more. So anyway, There's the statue of the Madonna del It's in the church of the same name that the x days take the name of. It is made by the local sculptor Giovanni De Sante. He put the statue in his garden after it was rejected by the priest of the local church, which at the time was dedicated to St. Christopher Mark. The wife of the sculptor noticed that the statue would glow in the night. And people started to arrive in their droves to worship the statue, which was considered miraculous. The statue was placed inside the church on June 18, 1377. And soon afterwards the name of the church was changed to the Church of Madonna del or Madonna of the Garden. You can still see the statue in the church to this day. It's in a side chapel, which is very peaceful and quiet. Now, this is the one that we have referred to. You mentioned the alley, further alley. So Rio Terra degli Assassini translates into the assassins priest. And the adjacent Assassins Bridge. This bridge connected the more upscale neighborhood of San Marco to the Red Light District, where you could find all the best brothels. The street is very narrow and often was extremely dark. Venetian noblemen, eager not to be seen, would often choose to walk through it on their way to the nearby brothels. But in that type spot, they were an easy prey for robbers and murderers. And the name of the street, Bridge. There is very famous Venetian legend referencing the Ponte d'Aglaeacin as a theme. In 1507, a humble baker, Gero Tosca, was beheaded in Venice. Under torture, he had confessed to the murder of a noble Venetian. In fact, the poor baker had come across the nobleman laid dead in the corner between Tepelle della Mondola, where the brothels used to be, and the bridge of the the bloody knife up off the ground, seduced by the silver blade and the gem adorning the handle. He was then found with his incriminating evidence in his possession.
0: The real murderer
1: confessed to his crime on his deathbed only a few weeks after Piero's beheading. This grave miscarriage of justice led to the birth of the phrase, Recordate del Padre form remember the poor baker which the secretary of the council of the would allegedly utter to the counselors prior to the passing of sentence. Through remembrance of the poor baker, two red candles used to be lit every night between the two arches on the south side of St. Mark's Basilica. Some people have been said to smell freshly baking bread floating through the air here, even instead of nuts. We'll wrap it up there. There's a couple more here, but we can go ahead and save them for, I'm sure, an inevitable haunted Italy episode. I will go ahead and, and get them started on
0: Italy.
1: But, what more can you? <laughs> My Box. my God, awful Italian! There's a few words I know, just a few, as was clearly exhibited tonight. I think I scared off many of the guests. Oh,
2: uh, with that? <laughs> but thank you all very much for joining
1: us this evening. To uh, uh it wasn't too much of a train wreck. No. It, it was the uh, ignoring the bad Italian. Ignoring the bad Italian. It, it was fun, and uh. Yeah, I should have spent a little more time editing and um just saying the Italian phrase once and then doing the English translation. Because Noted yeah. for Haunted Italy. Yeah, noted for Haunted Italy or for any other foreign language locations where I'm a little uh a native. So but yeah. yeah, but anyways, um Uh Pirates. Pirates, our So yep. weeks from today we have Pirate Ghost Story. Two weeks after that, we have Gates eight, uh, eight to Hell. That's going to be an interesting one. Yes. Yeah. And um, then we're, we're just going to have one October episode as we have done in the last couple of years because October, okay. I think, so I have to go back and look, yeah, I but that is going to be the third edition of our... Creepy, creepy and haunted dolls. Yes, the list of creepy and haunted dolls. Okay. Never okay. So we got a got a handful more of creepy haunted doll stories of to share with you in October. Yeah. Um I have not figured out November yet. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get yeah. there. Maybe third just for, Um. I'll see where everyone over our new tour and our years appear. So
2: definitely check those out.
1: Yep. Yes. So yes, scarce of care October uh, benefit tour October 22nd. It's going to be up here at Churchill, 9 o'clock. Tickets are on sale on the website now, so you can come on out, get your Churchill Chiller's tour, and ticket purchase will go to scarce of care. So come on out, have a good time, and support a good cause. Tricia will be
2: there
1: with Martinez with the. I think so. As far as I know, Tricia and G both uh, uh, scarce of care reps here in Virginia will be there. So. You get to have them there, and uh, yeah. it's gonna be it's
2: gonna be
1: busy season. Yep, yeah. crazy <laughs> as always. But um, we are looking forward
2: to it, and West. Uh, yeah. uh, yes, you can still purchase for Key West. I cannot tell you the prices, uh, but they are in contact with the hotel to get updated prices for our Key West trip in December. Yep. Uh, so you can, again, click, click on the link and uh, go and have a chat with our travel agents. Join us for that. Again, that's the first full weekend and um, we're staying at a haunted location where Wednesdays dinner one night at a home. Yep. Spooky so. so. stuff
1: abounds. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So this is going to be, uh, it'll be fun. Probably going to be fun. I feel I like I'm trying to convince myself of that. I'm not. It is going to be fun. We're just tired. I didn't even sit for a lesson. No, I did not It was a busy weekend. Yeah. So, Alright,
2: so with that, we will see you all in two weeks for Pirates, and I hope you all have some good things in between now and then. Have a safe Labor Day weekend.
1: Yep, and I will come back. I'll try to respond to a few comments that are lingering here in the chat. So I will respond after we go again between now, but in the meantime, you all have a good evening. Thanks again for watching. Hope to see you again in a couple of weeks, or you can, better yet, come on out and see us on our tour sometime. Be a good one. Alright, mark that.
2: Stay cheers, and yeah. Thank you <laughs>